This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I missed a lot uh, over the uh, the last three shows when I was not here. And again, thanks to Dennis Cox for sitting in. Uh, I missed... Permar. Oh, we, did I have a Hayes? We had a Hayes Perlmar? Oh, good. I didn't. I, I honestly On didn't Friday. know. Excellent. Oh, it's always good when Hayes sits in. Um, and I made a second appearance on Friday's show. Now I feel I feel like I missed out. Yeah. Missed uh, you. But listen, when a 100-year-old conference is being picked apart over 48 hours, you kind of need to, you know, throw around your expertise as you need it. <laughs> I, have, I have spent, we're now into hour number two of this program, Chip. I have spent the better part of the last 80 minutes, like, venting my spleen about how disgusted I am with the whole process. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm in commercial breaks, I'm like, there's got to be some positivity here, uh, but I just can't find any because I don't think it's good for anybody but the people who are adding up the money. So, and the players, like, if I, here's the positivity for me. Tell me if I'm crazy. After they finish this whole wave of expansion, which who knows how long it's going to take, Every single athlete at all of the of the schools in question, every single one should be paid a salary. I don't care what the salary is. They all should get paid because it's the only way we can come up with some benefit to them because it doesn't benefit the golf team or the volleyball team or the fencers uh, to be having a match, you know, 2,500 miles away. <laughs> I don't think that every single athlete will be paid a salary. Oh, I don't. I, I agree with that. Okay. I think they should be. Sure. Again, should and will are completely different things, especially when it comes to the NCAA. Like, uh, Tez Walker should be eligible at North Carolina, but he probably won't be. You think so? I, yeah. I think it's fascinating. that. So I... Because it wasn't just Tez Walker. We got a whole wave of rulings. Yeah, across Florida the State lost the guy, too. It was like, no, 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 no. And I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing on one side the messaging that's coming from North Carolina. Mac Brown, um, Lonnie Galloway, and the idea that, hey, we think that you know this appeal is going to be able to go through. You know, we're, we're feeling pretty good about the fact that you know, he, he was at these schools but only played at one of them. I mean, right. the, the facts say that a sensible decision is to – uh, have the appeal allow for sure. Tez Walker to play against South Carolina. Um, but then I'm hearing from Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, an expert on the transfer portal and a lot of many, many things, a really, really sharp follow. I've enjoyed working with him over the last couple of years as 24-7 Sports as a, you know, a partner of CBS yeah. Sports. And he says that nationally personnel directors are very concerned and that this wave of rulings is having them rethink their approach to the transfer portal and have to – rework um, some of their planning in terms of the kinds of players that they're going to take. And if, if that means less opportunities for players like Tez Walker, then that's very, very disappointing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm balancing right now. North Carolina, they say it's a slam dunk. That's fine. Nationally, it does seem like coaching staffs and personnel departments are, are now trying to adjust to what is clearly a, a big pivot from the NCAA um, just issued this January. So if 
the uh, if we stopped calling them transfers, if we called them player realignment, would the NCAA ignore it? I mean, they that's like that is the the joke we've all made, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot again come to us and be mad about a wide receiver coach sliding into the DMs of your fa- of your one of your players when backroom deals have led to the decapitation of a conference. Like it's just it that is not the biggest issue facing college athletics. So look, it is that is everyone's written about yeah. that. There've been tons of columns, there've been tons of, of commentary on on the such. But the the fact is, you know, we are barrel we are here we are moving faster towards professionalization and consolidation than I thought we would. If we circled 2030 as the moment when that was going to happen, now it's looking like it might be 2026. Yeah. And it's, the fact of you mentioned the golf teams and the volleyball teams, like they are facing impossible challenges, but I think the answers to those challenges might be a disassociation yeah. from the football program entirely. No question. We are looking at um, a fracturing, not just even within the FBS, but we are looking at a fracturing of athletic departments where football and maybe men's and women's basketball too are broken out and handled entirely differently. So that's, that's, kind of the way that I imagine things moving forward. I just never thought that it would move that quickly, but that's what the last week has done uh, to my view of college athletics. Here's what's interesting. I know you're a uh, Fiorentina fan from Serie A. I'm a Liverpool fan from the Premier League. Everything gets underway uh, this week. I know we've got uh, what Real and Atletico Madrid start on Saturday afternoon. It's, it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan now of, uh, of international football. Um, but the transfer window has still got like 30 days it's left. Ridiculous! It, right? you can, yeah, yeah, until September I'm one, here. right? I'm trying to fend off Brentford from getting Nico Gonzalez. I don't know how we're going to score any goals. Exactly. <laughs> I've I've seen a lot of Fiorentina uh, shirts on uh, on X of late. Like, yeah, Fiorentina Fiorentina is potentially losing another player. But my yeah. my point is that if you talk to people who who have moved here from Europe, they have never been able to kind of understand why such we have major athletics attached to universities it do, that does not exist in Europe it does not they don't even they don't get it but what we're I think what we're moving towards is something very similar that the university's football teams are just kind of I don't know a marketing arm of the university and they're not really part of the university at all. This is going to be basically professional sports. Uh, I don't know how many schools or how many teams, maybe we stop, stop calling them schools, I don't know how many teams are going to be a part of it, but that it just looks like that's what we're moving, and I think we're going to get there pretty quickly. The first part that you said... Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Kind of has been the case for a while, that the mm-hmm. football teams are the marketing arms of universities. Yeah. Your football program is the front porch of the university. It is the way that you – it is – there is no better way to bring tens of thousands of alumni together 
in one spot mm-hmm. to remember the good times, slap each other on the back, right? Get all high on nostalgia, and maybe open up their checkbooks. Like there is no Homecoming. better way to be able to generate enthusiasm and revenue and even attract future students than right. a football game and a football program. And that's why the university presidents are, are so concerned of, of trying to maximize whatever they can get out of the football programs and the athletic departments to be able to better themselves because higher education is facing a lot of crises in the next decade or so. Um, I had no idea about the enrollment cliff of 2026. And I still am not super educated on it. But if you look at birth rates, there was a big, big drop that will have now 18-year-olds coming and applying for colleges, less of them Hmm. starting in 2026. Interesting. (laughs) There are fundamentally less bodies in the United States that are going to be 18 and applying for college starting in 2026. Uh Uh-oh, says the (laughs) university president. We need tuition checks. Uh And, again, I am not the expert on this, but somebody tipped me off to it this summer, and I I did a little bit of cursory reading on it to understand my big takeaway that I needed, which is they have a lot of motivation to do whatever they can to make sure that revenue is coming to the university via the football program because all of the other methods, they're going to be taking a hit. And mm-hmm. so I, I, you, you've been spending the last 80 minutes, you know, venting your spleen. Yeah. Here's the bit of positivity and it's cold and it's cynical, but I, I, I think that if you sit down on a Saturday, you're still going to be able to watch some college football games and yeah. enjoy it. Oh, I, I, like, I feel bad because I am sad for what is happening. But as the host of the cover three podcast, where we do not only focus on one conference and where we pride ourselves on the fact that we take not 133, like we're not talking about every single team, (laughs) but these 60 to 80 most important or interesting teams in college football, we really, really know what's going on. And when they play against each other, we can tell you what's interesting, the matchup advantages, which means that we have been unintentionally preparing ourselves for a world where only 60 to 80 teams are playing at the top level. Like, I I think and the fans love it. They love the product that we are putting out. Mm-hmm. Like I think there is a demand and there are consumers who will take a national college football type league. It's just going to be the the alumni, the fans who've been around for a long time and the people who've been the most invested in their university. Uh, who are going to be disappointed by the loss of the regionality and the rivalries. Chip Patterson here, as he is every Wednesday. Here's the thing. I've, I said this earlier. I don't want people to take my disgust with how everything has played out. The fact that, I mean, the Big Ten didn't need Southern Cal and UCLA. They didn't need Oregon and Washington. The SEC didn't need Texas and Oklahoma. The ACC certainly doesn't need Cal, Stanford, and SMU. All of that is silly. Big 12, whatever. Uh, geographically, it doesn't make awful sense to have Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah along with Colorado in your league. But it it doesn't really move the needle financially. Uh, it just makes it just adds a lot more like schools if they're even like schools. Um, but for college football 
isn't going anywhere. And I tried to make that as plain. The game is getting more popular. The sport is getting more popular. It's just the inner workings of it all. I, I just have no, I mean, I have great interest in it, but it's just, it depresses me over over all the decisions being made. Like every time I hear a uh, an administrator talk about the 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 experience of our student athletes, I mean, it just makes me nauseous because you're obviously not really considering that. Um, and I, I mean, there's just no way around it. But the game's not going anywhere. We're still going to watch, you know, 47 games uh, between now and the second week of September or more. Right. We'll, we'll watch more than 47 games between now and the second week of September. Uh, real quick to the poll. Um, which came out, I guess, yesterday, the, the coaches' poll, Chip. Uh, Georgia, number one, no surprise. Michigan, number two. And here's where I point out that your non-conference schedule will never matter because Michigan's non-conference schedule might be the worst among the Power Five conferences. And I, no offense to East Carolina. I mean, I'm not, not – ECU is a credible football program – and there are years where that would be a difficult game for most teams. It's at the big house, but other than that, I mean, who are they fooling? So here's, um, man, do you think that the coaches' poll should be where a team starts or where you think a team will finish in the preseason? I, I don't think we should have any preseason polls, but I've been saying that for 20 years. I go about filling out my preseason right. We had the CBS Sports 133 right. was released uh, a little bit ago. And when I filled out my ballot, it is the most cold and calculating that I am because it's almost all talent evaluation. Mm -hmm. And Michigan has one of the most talented rosters in sure. the entire country. So I had Michigan as one of the top teams on my ballot, but it had nothing to do with the schedule or where I think they're going to finish. I think that Georgia is the team with the least amount of question marks and highest talent than anybody else. It has nothing to do with the fact that their schedule doesn't start until the second week of November and that they're going to be cakewalking <laughs> 10 and 0. Right. So they actually have to play a team with the pulse. Um, you know, the, like, I think Ohio state has a really, really tough schedule. Mm -hmm. I think Ohio state schedule, both in terms of having to play at Notre Dame in the non-conference and then in their draw from the other division, they have to go play Wisconsin while, you know, all you're playing for Michigan are the bottom feeders from the big 10 West. Like I think Ohio state on paper probably is better than they're going to, they might finish mm -hmm. just because of the schedule. I, I think that for preseason rankings, they need to be starting points that based on not the schedule or where I think you're going to finish, but based on, who you are before we've snapped the ball, which can only be depth charts and talent evaluation. That's kind of how I stack my teams up. So, you know, I would probably have had Ohio state ahead of Alabama instead of Alabama ahead of Ohio state. And that's because I've got more faith in the mm -hmm. quarterback and the passing game at Ohio state than I do at Alabama where quarterback is a concern and the wide receivers have underperformed uh, over the last couple of seasons and then, you know, you start to get a little bit further down. I've expressed many times to you that I don't think Florida State should be ahead of Clemson. And, in fact, if you want to dabble, you know, with the the, the wagers, um, you know, and place your bets later on, we might. I, think, I think that Clemson plus 130 to the ACC is value because Florida State is being overhyped. 
that Florida State at plus 140, Clemson at plus 130 essentially lists them as co-favorites, and they are not co-favorites. Clemson is the favorite to win the ACC, and I think that Clemson should be ahead of Florida State, not way ahead, but Clemson is ahead of Florida State in my ballot, um, and I think that Clemson is going to win the ACC. So I would put Clemson, again, on paper, I do think the roster, top to bottom, is better for the Tigers than it is for the Seminoles. And then once you start to get beyond that, it's a you know a little bit of a grab bag of right. what the voters are attracted to. And when Clemson loses to Duke in the opener, Clemson's odds will get better in terms of more and value. And then I will uh, I will buy in at that point. Chip Patterson, you're the best man. I will talk to you next week. I'll probably talk to you before then. Uh, just may not be in this forum. Uh, appreciate hey, your time. Yeah, one question. I'm so sorry sure. that was late. I don't mean to push us further what? into anything. Time, but- do you think it is pre-backfilling or a play to increase revenue on the network? What, for Stanford, Cal, and SMU? Yeah. I don't think SMU is a bad addition because they want it. They want it so badly. And they've got – I mean, they've got every single player on salary already. Like, that's <laughs> like, seriously, like their NIL situation is right. one of those – all y'all, every, every single one of y'all. We got, we got, they we got money. We got money. Look, they're used to it. That's what. That's how uh, you know that the whole thing started. SMU it, used to be a power man. The Pony Express was a thing with Craig James and Eric Dickerson. Like, um, are you panicking because obviously the loss of any teams is a loss of inventory, not just a loss of value. So there is a fundamental numbers game of like we will be able to have X number of games mm-hmm. per weekend. Uh oh, we've got less teams now. We are not able to have X number of games per weekend. Are you adding them just to prepare yourself so that when Florida State leaves, as Drew Weatherford put it, the when? Florida State Board of They're Trustee, not going anywhere. Um, but, uh, or, or is it a network play where um, you're trying to increase the number of live sports that you have on your network? And and I love the documentary. I'm just saying less reruns of the eight-part ACC tournament documentary, more <laughs> live sports. Uh, I I think it gives them two more time zones. Uh, so, yeah, theoretically, it would give you more inventory to show. Um, but I don't I can't make sense of the move. I've heard a lot of theories that, yes, uh, cover like, honestly, if Florida State and Clemson somehow managed to get out of the grant of rights and leave. Well, they can. It's just expensive. That's the other well, thing that I've half a billion it. dollars. Well, they I I think that there is um, there is more motivation than I imagined to pull together the resources to uh, to cut hundreds of million dollars worth of checks. Uh, I mean, cut them. But, I mean, to me, that's the minimum. It's it's a half billion dollars. And then well, you get no media money. When you were talking to Bubba Cunningham and his attitude very much came up, came off to me as, well, fine, leave. I was like, is Florida State going to fix the ACC's money issues right. by leaving? Perfect. Like, is that really about what's going to happen? Here's a half billion dollars to spread around the league for the next 15 years. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody – I honestly, I don't think – and where are they going? That's the other thing. Florida State's not going to the SEC. I think, I've said this before. I think there are maybe four schools that have great value, and I don't think one of them is Florida State. And Clemson, maybe. I'm not sure. Does the SEC want Clemson? I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that they would that they would have a uh, a friendly landing spot there. Maybe the Big Ten does. I think the Big Ten would be interested in North Carolina and Virginia. 
I think the Big Ten did not add Cal and Stanford, uh, schools that I think Big Ten university presidents would have loved to mm-hmm. welcome to the ranks of the Big Ten because television executives did not want to fill spots 19 and 20 with those two right. on the potential of what might happen. I don't think that there's an offer available right now for Florida State or other schools, but I think that not grabbing all four was like, let's let's leave this open and just see what happens. Let's leave this open and just see what happens. It'll be the SE, the the Southeastern Conference and the Big Ten Conference, and we'll have 60 teams, and half of them will be in one, and half of them will be in the other, and they'll all they'll all make a ton of money. And I think, it oh no no no, I th- I think ACC is going to make it through as the ACC. It might lose a couple members. The Big 12 is going to make it through. I I don't think the SEC has any interest in expanding, and I think that the Big 10 wants to get to 20, and we'll see what ends up happening with the musical chairs there. Higher education, the Big 10, 20 teams. Chip. The Big 10, 10. No, it's the Big 10, 10. <laughs> There's a road in, yeah. uh, in Wake County. Uh, yeah. Thank you, sir. Sounds good. Y'all be well. I'm just, it's, I mean, uh, do people understand why I'm kind of grossed out by all this? I hope you are. Like, yeah. doesn't stop us from loving college sports, right? It doesn't. And people are under the impression, oh, it, it, people are, are getting dis, you know, they're, they're disillusioned by it. They're, 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 nah, man, we're disillusioned by the corporate nature of it. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. But the get when the games start, that's the that's a different thing. We're all going to watch. I mean, people are I mean it is. It is a, we've talked about this in terms of how it compares to the English Premier League or Serie A or La Liga and and all of these club teams that you grow up rooting for. So everybody who lives here is a Carolina fan or a state fan. Like, if it doesn't make a difference what league they're in, you're going to be a fan. My all of my good friends who were Maryland fans. I mean, my buddy Chick Hernandez, who I went to college with, Scott Van Pelt, who I went to college with, these guys are still die-hard Maryland fans. They're, in the, they're not in the ACC. An original member of the ACC. They ain't, they're not in this league anymore. It didn't change their fandom. It changed mine because I moved away more than anything else. Right? Now, we don't cover them anymore. But... We're still gonna love. We're still still gonna watch the games. Yeah, it's not gonna change that. Everything else around it has changed, but that's where I am. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? 
The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate.